0: Hello and welcome to Internet Retailing Subscription Podcast with Avalara. I'm Katie Searles, editor of DeliverX, host of Beyond the Buy Button and now host for this brand new look at the subscription economy. I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by my co-host for this episode, Lewis Fitzpatrick, Customer Accounting Manager at Avalara. Before we really dive into the product subscription market, do you want to tell us firstly a little bit about yourself yep. and then about Avalara as a whole?
1: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So my name is Louis Fitzpatrick. I've been with Avalara for going on seven years now. So I've been in various functions, working directly with our customers and prospects and and uh, now managing a team of nine uh, account managers so who's serving EMEA-based customers.
0: Excellent. And then Avalara and its involvement in the subscription economy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I guess for Avalara, so in a world where we're seeing more and more complex taxes, uh, new changes in legislation, new changes in requirements, and at the same time, businesses expanding globally, um, Avalara aims to help its customers to simplify their tax management process or so their indirect tax management processes and achieve greater compliance. And we do that through automation. So we support our customers with everything from sales and use tax management in the US, VAT, GST in Europe, cross-border determination, up to e-invoicing. So um, yeah we help our customers automate those processes.
0: Thank you very much. And that's going to be increasingly important in a sector where one in five retailers are now offering a subscription service that can be from sustainable cleaning products to craft gin. You can even get toilet paper shipped directly to you. (laughs) Um, We're joined by the power of technology today by two product subscriptions that I don't think anybody could live without, cheese. And coffee. Wow. <laughs> Firstly, we can hear from Edward Hancock, CEO and founder of Cheesecake.
2: I came from a sort of slightly unconventional background, I suppose, when it comes to the cheese industry. I was in finance from graduation um, for 10, 12 years. So I read economics at uni and I went worked at a hedge fund, became the chartered financial analyst, culminating in becoming a fund manager. So the kind of that path went exactly according to plan. But I suppose I'm like a lot of people, when you have an itch that needs scratching, it's unavoidable. Sometimes there's like a sense of fate that you'll end up having to do that, that thing that's kind of like hidden inside you. And for me, that was cheese, not just cheese, but cheese, but also like consumer brands. I'd sort of through my finance work, building sort of algorithms and understanding investor psychology and behavior that sort of spread into consumer psychology, uh, what drives purchasing decisions, why do certain brands resonate more than others, and how brands manage to achieve this connection with the consumer that transcends the product itself. So I think a combination of that interest that developed over quite a few years and my interest or love of cheese, which has been there since I was basically 10 or 11, I think the two came together. And I just decided that it was time for me to kind of explore that. But 2017, I decided to see if I could give it a go. And I think my my initial concept or idea was to try and get great cheese to everyone. Sort of relatively simple initial idea, which sounded um, amazing and straightforward at the time. Uh, clearly, with all these things, there's a, a few more layers of complexity than that. But yeah, for me, it was just a case of saying look, you know, you don't need to be near a cheesemonger. You don't need to have a base knowledge of cheese. You don't have to leave your house, but I still want you to be able to taste and enjoy, you know, the greatest cheese in the world. And on top of that, a lot of the greatest cheese in the world is British as well. So I guess in a nutshell, that's how the journey happened and the transition from my old life to my new life took place.
0: (laughs) I want cheese directly to my house. I also want to feel that passionate about something to leave finance to go into to cheese. Um, I love doing these podcasts because we hear from people who have really taken their passion and and ran from it and had quite an interesting start. Our next guest virtually is Sam Connolly, who's Senior E-Commerce Manager at Origin Coffee.
3: So my name's Sam. I am E-Commerce Manager here at Origin. I've been at Origin for almost five years. Things have changed a lot since then, including my role. So I joined on a maternity cover on a short, year contract and then luckily when the two ladies came back there was uh, the team had grown and there was enough space for me uh, to continue so I've kind of my background has always been digital I worked for a paid agency before kind of specializing in Google ads and Facebook ads and basically all things ads and then I kind of went away traveling and came back and was after I wanted to work for an independent business and kind of origin really piques my interest The origin has an amazing story so origin is almost 20 years old as a as a coffee roaster first and foremost we specialize in sourcing incredible coffee through farmers and producers all over the world and trying to work directly with them where possible in doing so we can ensure that we can pay a fair and ethical price which is always above fair trade standard um, which is amazing and Primarily, Origin, there's kind of three channels that Origin kind of uh, work in. The first one is wholesale. So we wholesale to hotels, restaurants and cafes all across the UK and Europe, providing them with coffee, equipment, training and basically anything you'd expect to receive or see behind the coffee bar, like cups and ancillaries and things like that. And that was really the kind of the breadwinner of the business for maybe the first 10 years of Origin, and and still is to this day. But in around 2015, the business or the owner decided he wanted to get involved into what we call retail. So we opened our first coffee shop in Porthleven. So that's where Origin is based. We are based in Porthleven in Cornwall, where all the, the roastery is, where all the orders are shipped out from. So we opened our first shop in 2015. And soon after, we opened our first one in the city, The reason for that initially was not only to brew our coffee and connect with customers on the ground, but also as a kind of center to support our wholesale customers with training and uh, and things like that. And since then, the the retail side of the business has really taken off. So now we have six coffee shops, four in London, two in Cornwall, and there are plans to open more in the coming months, um, which is really exciting and it's a really nice way to you know, engage the customers and and explain to them where the coffee's from or maybe support them with coffee brewing um, advice and things like that. So they were really the the two, you know, big channels of the business and online really kind of ticked over, I would say, and was like a a, a nice to have addition to, to the business. And then kind of COVID hit and both wholesale and retail totally closed off and online on the flip side, Really, we saw incredible growth because everyone was at home drinking coffee, basically.
0: It's probably not a surprise that COVID had a real impact on subscription services across the board. Suddenly, people had the need for products to come to them. We physically couldn't get to the shops. And then that's not going to return to a new normal, because if you're going to have the convenience of getting ground coffee sent directly to you, why Would you venture into town? And Sam can tell us more about sustaining that growth.
3: The pandemic accelerated the kind of the prevalence of subscriptions, not only in our business, but in customers and consumers' day-to-day lives. Shopping behaviors, you know, they had to change because the country was in lockdown and no one could go, you know, no one could go down to the shops and, and pick up a bag of coffee. But as I mentioned earlier, what's more interesting is that we've managed to maintain the growth that we did from that initial year. So in terms of the pandemic yes, kind of customer behavior has changed and it's now more, rather than a novelty, I'd say it's more of a habit for subscriptions. With the cost of living crisis, it's much harder to predict. I think it comes down to the products, like are our customers price sensitive? Is your product deemed necessary for, for day-to-day life? We're kind of in this position where coffee is a kind of a daily essential, which is great. And I'm, I'm one of those people but if, you're, if the answer is yes to some of those other points, then it, it is likely that subscriptions could be impacted. However, for us, we've recognised that, you know, things may be a bit tighter or um, customers may not have as much spare income as they maybe did a few years ago. And we've kind of put a few measures in place to try and, you know, reduce, reduce the impact that the cost of living crisis would have. And one of those is releasing a cheaper subscription offering so we have so our coffee subscriptions for, for 250 grams depending on what you have is around 10 to 12 pounds and we have brought out um, one which is still of a high quality but um, it's it's slightly lower and we've managed to do to do that rather by it's an online only coffee so with origin all of our coffees are brewed throughout all of our channels. Um, whereas this one specifically is for online and that's how we've managed to maintain a more cost effective uh, price. And we've also looked at our supply chain to try and, you know, work with our partners, not only overseas, but also internally in terms of our packaging and, you know, look at the supply chain and see how, are there any ways that we can reduce costs and try and avoid the inevitable price rises that we've seen across all kind of industries
0: We are in a very different climate to what we were in in 2020. Both businesses and consumers are obviously looking to cut costs. Whether or not you're willing to cut out coffee is (laughs) is another thing. Um, But what can these subscription businesses do, Louis, to to really reduce their costs?
1: Yeah, sure. So again, speaking about it from an indirect tax perspective, the way I look at it is how we can reduce avoidable expenses or avoidable cost, right? So, um, and the way we do that is helping our customers be compliant, right? So that's helping them avoid penalties, avoid interest, avoid, you know, complicated audits and them having to lose resource on that. So where we can help our customers do that is through basically helping them with their tax advisor plan accurately and then automate some of those processes. And what that means is that they have a lower likelihood of having issues uh, down the line and therefore yeah, avoid all those unnecessary costs and unpleasantries of, of you know, stemming from tax orders.
0: <laughs> and being able to not worry about your taxes and have that automated for you allows these businesses to see the subscription model as an opportunity. It provides retailers with recurrent revenue every month, every quarter, even um, yearly. And that's something that Cheese Geek have done from early
2: on. When I initially started the business, what I wanted to try and do was to lay out a kind of journey for a customer over three, six, nine, twelve months. And so, at the start, we only had two products, and it was direct to consumer, so um, through our website. And so, you could either purchase a one-off box, or you could purchase a set of three, six, nine, or twelve. And what that would allow us to do would be to curate the experience, and you know, curate create an experience rather than just sending someone a piece of cheese, effectively. Um, So it gave us the power to layer value uh, and add on experience. Um, So in a sense, that was a subscription, but really it was a pre-purchase. And what we did by 2019 is we realized how popular those sort of prepaid, inverted commerce subscription products were. And a lot of customers were saying also they'd love to get that experience, but without having to pay upfront. So for us, it was a natural evolution to move into out and out subscription product. I think what made that transition quite easy for us was from day one, we developed the technology to be able to deliver the experience we wanted to to a recurring customer. And so it was a next step rather than a reinvention to, to, to introduce the rolling, rolling subscription concept. So that was kind of the background behind where we started and then bringing out the rolling subscription. And whilst we've diversified into a lot of different areas now, in the end, our core proposition and our sort of central product will always be that rolling subscription.
0: That technology point is really interesting. They had the technology in place from day one, or at least in their minds. Um, is the right platform, the right automation, Key to these subscription services being a success,
1: I, I really think so. So, from the customers I've worked with, or my team works with, or I interact with them, I, I think it's really key. Um, right. The tool right. will help them then, you know, capture the data they need from their customers. It'll help them, you know, automate, you know, not just tax, but a whole host of other services correctly, and it will lead them to be more successful, more efficient down the line. So, I hundred percent think it's very important, uh, and I think it's key to success. Absolutely.
0: For a company like Origin Coffee, they've actually deployed technology to to help with the personalization of subscriptions, which is so important. And we can hear more from Sam.
3: So coffee is one of those kind of personable experiences. So even though, even though it is kind of you know, it will say wh- where it's from and it will say what it might taste like, it's still quite subjective to the person that's drinking it. So through segmentation through kind of softwares like um, or or plugins like quizzes or surveys, you can help build a profile on the customer with the aim of improving the personalization Mm -hmm. on not only the products that they buy, but the communications you send. So a lot of, however, the the kind of downside with personalization is that it often comes at cost. So not only do you need the, I guess, um, experience and know-how in-house to be able to deliver those campaigns, but more often than not, they are done through softwares or plugins to your website. Um, so it's important that you build a kind of strong tech stack. So, for ex- one example that we've been looking into, is that if you know a customer likes coffee that tastes um, chocolatey, then you can email them with your latest chocolatey coffee that is released. And not only does this add value to the customer as they're receiving you know, emails and communications which interest them, um, it's a much more effective than kind of blasting everyone with the, with the same message. So yeah, definitely personalization is one that we're continuing to work on.
0: Personalization is surely how retailers and subscription businesses alike are really going to work on to enhance mm-hmm. that customer service element. For Cheese Geek, it was using their own hand-built tech to match the in-store experience.
2: When I started the business, I didn't want to end up in three years' time having built this great business that was basically just selling cheese online, it wouldn't have given us a huge amount of protection. We could have done a lot of work on brand. We could have done a lot of work on tone of voice. We could have done a lot of work on uh, the operational side of things, packaging. But in the end, if we had, if that's all we had done, it would have been very en- easy to enter as a competitor and just do what we were doing. Um, so I was very, very intent on ensuring that we built the business to be able to scale long-term. And that in four years, we'd have something that was unique to us. And that was really the core principle of developing our own tech, which we didn't need at the start, but I perceived that we definitely would need down the line. So effectively, what Cassie does, Cassie was initially built to be able to offer us the capability of providing every single subscriber with a unique experience to them. So whereas Every other cheese business, uh, as far as I'm aware in the world, certainly in the UK, sends everyone the same five cheeses or the same selection of cheeses each month. Uh, what we actually do is we kind of have a starting point, which may be the same for certain cohorts of people. But by the time you're three or four months down the road, your path will have diverged from other, other people. Uh, that can be based on seasonality. It can be based on certain cheeses that are, particularly tasting good at a certain time, but it can also be impacted by a subscriber's preferences that they feed back to us. And so having the technology to be able to offer that was totally necessary because me sitting on a spreadsheet, deciding what all those cheeses everyone's going to get it, on the, in the early days was great fun for me, but it took about 40 minutes per person. And if you want to have a business where clearly we want to have thousands and thousands of subscribers, we needed that process to be automated. So step one was me automating my brain and my allocation decisions um, so it happens instantaneously. So that's what Cassie started as. What Cassie then grew into was enabling us to personalize not only the selection, but the inbox experience. So Cassie then automatically generates your insert, which has your cheeses, which order to eat them in. It kind of gives you information on pairing tips, tasting notes. So it does that, but it also communicates with you. We've chosen this for you. So if we've chosen a cheese that is based on your feedback to us, we'll tell you that, and it kind of replicates the experience you might get going into a cheesemonger. Because for all the benefit we have being online, one thing that we can never do is, is be face-to-face with every customer that walks in or in through the door, or in our case, comes onto the website. So creating those moments where this has been selected for you, we think you'll like this, let us know what you think. It replicates that as much as possible and turns sort of a weakness actually into a quite a cool strength.
0: Trying to keep up with the high street experience isn't going to be easy. It's a challenge for any subscription business, but there are strategies that they can put in place to make sure the customer experience is a great one. And Sam can explain
3: getting a customer to subscribe is one thing and then retaining them is is another thing and there's kind of two ways that you can you can view that is one is ensuring that the the product and the service that you offer is outstanding and that you know there's obviously technologies involved in that an area which um which we've spent a lot of time working on it and investing in is what's called the customer portal so Customers can log into your website or phone. And more recently, we've launched our own app. And this will allow customers to pause, modify, and crucially cancel their subscription if they want to, um, all through the kind of touch of a button. Communicating clearly that they can cancel at any time, that's um, really important and, and not burying it in your website. You know, it's, it's awful when you go onto a website and you want to cancel and then you have to click 10 buttons and... And then you have to ring up or something um, that's just immediately puts customers and rightly so kind of on, on the back foot. So I guess communicating clearly that they can cancel another one is modifying or pausing. So with coffee, because if someone's on a weekly subscription and maybe they go away for a few days, what we saw before is that customers would cancel because they don't want another bag when actually it's about communicating to them and being like, you don't need to cancel, you can just skip this delivery or you can change your delivery date for you know, next week when you are around. Another thing that we have kind of put in place is that we have a, which kind of goes back to your technology point, is that we have an automated email that is sent to customers three days before their subscription is set to pull through. And in this email, it basically says, if your subscription is coming, it is set to be delivered or be dispatched in three days, do you want to skip it? Yes or no. So, even though if a customer says yes, they want to skip it, we will miss out on that sale at that time. We found that in the long run, our retention is much much improved because customers aren't canceling because they have too much coffee, too much buildup. So that's kind of one area. Another area for, for churn is having outstanding customer service. So we're lucky at Origin that we have a team that our team is you know super on it and super understanding of any issues that arise and i think just talking or just communicating with the customers as early as possible if there's any problems or delays to orders being you know open and transparent is is also key
0: it's really interesting to hear um, so they can, they can pause it, they can modify it, they can change it even when it's live. Do these businesses really need to be flexible and agile to keep their customers loyal, Louis?
1: I, I think so. And what I really loved about what he was saying was it's just you see the focus on the customer, right? Um, and it has to be constant in that subscription economy. And when you hear different people, the different people that, you know, you've interviewed or in, in other interviews or that, that have been on your podcast, that, that just keeps coming up. Right. And, and that's one of the things I, I really love. So uh, absolutely, I, I think uh, I think that the customer experience is key. I think it's really important to be able to deliver uh, continuously. And yeah, the subscription economy drives that.
0: the the customer loyalty is almost driven by, as you said, that that customer experience And, and we can hear again from Sam about how important a sense of loyalty and community is to Origin Coffee.
3: In terms of acquiring new customers and retaining customers, loyalty programs are is really important, I think. So we we relaunched our website in September last year and at the same time we launched rewards, which is which is amazing. It was a great um, project to be involved with. And we work on a points per pound basis. So essentially, it's a little bit like Tesco. So for every pound you spend, you get a certain amount of points with your transaction. And then once you have enough points, you can redeem them off discount vouchers. And if you earn enough points, you can de- redeem them off products or enthusiast courses. So you can come to one of our coffee shops and learn how to brew coffee from one of our professional baristas. Um, So they have really helped massively.
0: Before we all head off to learn how to brew the perfect cup of coffee, (laughs) Sam will join us again for our refills episode, which you're joining for again. Am I? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll also hear from Harry Sims-Thompson from Natural Deodorant Company Wild. But it does bring us to the end of this episode. Other episodes coming up in the seasons. So we're going to look at the rental offering. Very nice. And discuss bikes, <laughs> kids' bikes. There's going to be an episode dedicated to advanced payments and one that my dog's very excited about. We're going to look at pet products. Wow. <laughs> All of these episodes will be available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbeam and, of course, internetretailing.net. But for now, a massive thank you to our guests and thank you to you.
2: Thank you, Katie.